Welcome to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series, Clear Skies Ahead, conversations about careers in meteorology and beyond. I'm Kelly Savoy, and I'm here with Rex Horner, and we'll be your hosts. We're excited to give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate sciences. Today, we have the honor of introducing Aisha Davis, a meteorologist at the National Weather Service in Boulder, Colorado. Welcome, Aisha. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today. Super excited to be here. So thank you all for inviting me. Aisha, could you tell us a little bit about when you became interested in meteorology and how it influenced your educational path? Sure. Mine was pretty uh, different. So it wasn't the traditional, I love hurricanes or I love tornadoes. Um, Mine was um, in eighth grade. I really liked learning about clouds. Um, I was like, wow, this is amazing. Science is so cool. You can see it. Um, You can do it. Um, So I was really interested in learning more about clouds and meteorology. And then all of a sudden, um, eighth grade kicked in and we started doing standardized testing. I'm like, well, where's more of the science? I want to learn more about meteorology. So I started taking more classes online. um, And then I went to college and that's what I wanted to pursue. I knew I wanted to do something in science and I really loved learning. So, and meteorology is that science where you're always learning. So that's why I chose meteorology. That's so great to hear, Aisha. I want to dig in a little bit more about how you were able to focus your learning as a high school student on meteorology. Sounds like online classes means you were able to access the internet in your high school career, which was not always the case for some of our older meteorologists on (laughs) the program. Let us know how you found those classes and what they were that you were able to discover that supplemented your high school curriculum? Yeah, so I did like look into Comet um, when I was in high school. Um, I found that. That was really cool. Some of the, I mean, some of the classes there are like three hours, but nonetheless, still free information, right? Yeah. Um, Still cool stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Exactly. So I was like, oh, this is great. I'll try it. I liked it a lot. And then I started in high school. I started watching the Weather Channel. I guess every every weather person watches the Weather Channel once in their life, and they go, oh, I wish I can do that. So <laughs> that's something I started watching, Weather Underground. They have more like an educational mix to their shows, not just um, the weather or the seven day. It's more like explaining the knowledge behind the forecast, which I really enjoyed. And so for, for university... Did you know where you wanted to go or did you, you know, have a a handful of colleges that you're interested in? How did that work out for you? Yeah. So um, I started looking in senior year and a lot of the colleges in Georgia, they don't have meteorology. I believe Georgia Tech and UGA, they're both kind of in that meteorology realm. But um, at the time when I was in high school, UGA didn't really have a solidified meteorology program yet. Um, And it was only Georgia Tech. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go to Georgia Tech. (laughs) No offense to Georgia Tech people. Great school. Just not for me. Um, And plus, they had a lot of engineering um, at that school. It just wasn't that meteorology like focus that I wanted. So I saw Florida State. I was like, okay, only 
four hours, three hours away from home, this could work. Um, so I drove down south to the Panhandle, Tallahassee, Florida, and I went to Florida State. All right. So from reading your resume, I can tell that when you got to Florida State, you didn't just take your classes. You did a lot of extracurriculars. And I can see some of them here. I'd love to hear from you, though, how you started to get into things outside of your coursework that interested you and helped you feel like you were pursuing the, the career and the passion that you wanted to have. Yeah, I. the problem with me is I love to try everything Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and learn everything. That is a dangerous, dangerous um, thing mm, for me. Or, or a valuable but, attribute. But we'll, let's see, tell us about <laughs> where you started. Right. Um, so I once I got to Florida State, I, I, of course, I've been watching the Weather Channel. I'm like, oh, I really want to do some forecasting, some broadcast meteorology. So I got behind the green screen at Florida State. Uh, Florida State actually has their own student-ran show. Um, so there's there's no um, like adults, I, I guess, how should I say it? Professors um, chaperoning us on the show. It's all student-ran. Um, so I started doing Wednesdays. Um, I loved, I loved my show. Webcam Wednesdays was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I was, I was excited to do the the show always every week. Um, and then I also started doing more forecasting by my, by myself. Um, more like in a journal. I didn't really have a blog or anything like that, but more just like picking numbers, picking a city crossing it out if I didn't get it, <laughs> checking it if I did, All right. sort of personal forecast. <laughs> All right. So just verifying <laughs> pen and paper, verifying your yep. own forecasts, just seeing how you do, <laughs> sort of like solving a crossword puzzle. No one has to know how right. well you did except for yourself. And you can, of course, feel proud of yourself when you get it right. Check mark feels good. <laughs> I know. And that's such a great opportunity too, because that's how you learn, right? That's right. You learn exactly. from your mistakes. And I learned that I didn't know winter weather, but I was really starting <laughs> to get good at tropical at Florida State. <laughs> so <laughs> that's the greatest part. Um, and then so after that, uh, I started interning at places. I started doing internships with NOAA um, and broadcast meteorologists across Georgia. Um, so I worked in Macon as an internship um, on TV. Um, and then I learned, oh, I want to do so much more. I got to do more. So <laughs> I started interning again. I interned at Penn State to be a researcher. I did that for a summer. And then I was like, well, what's the public sector look like? <laughs> so then I started interning at the Florida Emergency Management Office, which is great because they have so much to offer there that I, I feel like that's one of the biggest emergency management offices in the country, Florida. They just have a massive amount of employees uh, all working towards emergency management. So I worked in the floodplain division, which was awesome. I learned about like risks for flooding, water, um, all those different types of things. Um, and then I went into NOAA. So yeah, I, I tried a little bit here and there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You So you, you hit up uh, the public sector, the private sector, and academia. So you really kind of covered the swath of industries you could explore coming out of college. And I, I also see you you worked um, 
you did some climate change uh, work, and you also were involved in social media as well. So a lot of uh, pretty relevant and diverse areas within weather. Yeah, and I think it was just growing and learning all the different parts and seeing how they all come together. Um, And then when I found out, it was really that, uh, honestly, it seems like NOAA is one of those hubs where they all kind of come together. Mm -hmm. So for me, I really wanted to work at NOAA. Um, So that's where... I got my job. <laughs> well, it's you know, it sounds like you did everything, you know, perfectly. You were very proactive in high school and you know, you knew immediately that you wanted to major in meteorology. You did internships, which is great. You did a bunch of different sectors, so you knew what was, you know, the thing you liked the most. But um, given all that, is there anything? I'm not sure if there is, but if there is there anything that you wish you had done a bit differently? Yeah, there is actually. I have, (laughs) everyone always has regrets, right? Everyone always has regrets. Um, There's, with college, um, I really didn't excel the way I wanted to um, just because I didn't have that math background. Meteorology is really intense math. It's not the easiest science (laughs) for sure. I guess no science is easy, but Meteorology for math is on another level, right? Yeah, we've <laughs> heard always, that a lot. Yes. Um, the calculus, <laughs> quite, the quite physics. Difficult. Yes, the calculus. <laughs> Differential equations. Yikes. Oh, <laughs> the pain. <laughs> but yes, those, those classes are extremely tough. Um, and going to tutoring every day, that was just not something I was used to. <laughs> I just thought... You go to class, you do the homework, you get good grades, you you go be that meteorologist. But that is not the case. <laughs> and is it true, my understanding is that the Florida State University degree uh, is in environmental science, but then you minored in mathematics and meteorology. So you ended up getting that mathematics onto your diploma. Is that correct? Yeah, somehow I made it through. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations. No. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's good for our listeners to hear because, you know, if somebody isn't, doesn't excel in math, we don't want to discourage them from, you know, pursuing careers in meteorology. It, it sounds like you got some tutoring for classes that you had difficulty in and you just, just kept with it. Yeah, it's, it was a long road. I can't say that it was perfect and I can't say that I don't have regrets because there are times where I had teachers tell me you need to go to another major. You need to do something else. Don't Uh, go to graduate school in this. But I mean, it's something that if you really love it and you have passion for it, then you find ways to keep going and striving for better. Well, spoiler, you did go to graduate school, Alicia. (laughs) So tell us how you chose your graduate school and then what your first job was out of graduate school not to say that being a student isn't also a full-time job. So I don't want to discredit everyone who's a student thinking that they haven't had a job yet because it's a lot of work. <laughs> True. Yeah, it's it's a full-time job um, being a student. So right now I'm at CSU, which is Colorado State University, um, and I'm majoring in meteorology for my master's. Um, so I'm trying to work on wildfire research right now. Um, but I'm still taking classes. So yes, if you're a student, you have a job. 
because being a student is your full-time job. Um, and I really wanted to keep learning. Um, that's just a personal goal of mine. So that's why I wanted to continue um, at CSU for graduate school, even though I'm working. <laughs> and where are you working? Yeah, I work at the National Weather Service in Boulder. So my, my days are usually Fort Collins to Boulder. <laughs> so could you walk us through a typical day on the job as a meteorologist at the National Weather Service so our listeners can get like a good idea of what you do? Yeah. So usually as a National Weather Service meteorologist, there's a lot that goes into the forecast. Um, not only do you forecast, run, look at models and look at data. Sometimes we have internal models just for our office too, um, just to see things like high wind potential or um, freezing rain versus snow. Um, there's always different aspects of the models you look at depending on what type of weather. So usually you come in the office, you kind of get that briefing from the last shift, um, and you look at target opportunities where you can make the forecast better. So human versus model, um, you're, you're adding value to the forecast. So you find those target of opportunities to really get in on the forecast. And then there's, of course, answering the phone, doing briefings, all, all those great things. I love doing those. Um, interviews and things like that, those are all spread out through the day-to-day. -day. It sounds really diverse. And I have a question about working at the National Weather Service. So if you're a meteorologist at the National Weather Service, is it the same type of position for each office or are there different roles for meteorologists? So there's different I would say you're a meteorologist at any office in the National Weather Service, but the roles are different depending on where you are. So if I'm a forecaster at San Diego, um, I have different responsibilities. So I have marine weather. I have things like that versus Colorado, where I don't necessarily look at marine weather, but I look at aviation because our airport is the sixth largest airport in the nation. So I got to make sure that airport is running as smooth as possible um, if the winds change. So it's different everywhere you go. So Aisha, my next question is what you like most about your job. And for our listeners, I'm looking at Aisha over Zoom. And when she was describing her typical day, she had a huge smile on her face and she's been smiling, talking about her career the entire time. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure that she likes most of her job, but I want to hear from you what parts you might choose as what brings you the most happiness or feels the most valuable to you. There's probably two parts to this. Um, on the kind of the high impact weather days, it's valuable when the, um, say for example, CDOT, they're the Colorado Department of Transportation. Mm -hmm. They tell you, thank you so much for that forecast because we got people out of there. We got, we got our roads cleared. We knew what time that snow was starting. So we knew what time to exactly plow those roads so that that morning rush can get in and out of work. Um, so that feedback is so valuable. Uh, and then there's always the old grandma that calls the <laughs> National Weather Service and she says, man, you guys have been right the whole time this week <laughs> on those temperatures. I really appreciate that because my garden is flourishing. <laughs> so 
it's always nice to hear that, you know, from all the way up the like high end user, all the way down to someone who's just treating their garden (laughs) is just happy enough to get a forecast that's accurate. So uh, it means a lot to me for that. It's great to be appreciated. Do you do you ever get the the, the flip calls where people are not happy about your forecast? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> There's always that one guy who's in the mountains. Somehow he has cell service. He goes, "Okay, the winds are definitely not 20 miles per hour. They're 45 <laughs> up here." And I'm like, "Where are you? <laughs> what? Can you give me your location?" <laughs> so, so besides those challenges, um, what would you consider the biggest challenge working in your position? Yeah, I would say that. Um, I guess everyone has their preference, but Colorado is definitely one of the hardest forecasts places in the country. I mean, the Rocky Mountains really shake up the weather here as far as, you know, uh, winds or fire or winter. I mean, we could have all that in one day in Colorado (laughs) compared to things like North Carolina or South Carolina. It's a a little bit different there. Um, But yeah, I feel like uh, the models are great, but they're not perfect. Um, so that's why we're always needed here. We always need a human forecaster because uh, it gets it's get, it gets messy during those <laughs> fire winter weather days. Right, but you do get a lot of sunshine. I think I read somewhere that Colorado gets I don't know three hundred and sixty two days of sunshine a year. Is that true? I I think it's true. Personally, coming from the South, living here, I, I was like, wow, the sun is just close. <laughs> I need sunglasses. I mean, when it snows on the ground here and the sun comes out, I mean, that, that albedo, is, it's crazy. I mean, the reflection is really bad. You need sunglasses um, here. So it's just... It's just different. Everywhere is different, but Colorado has its quirks. <laughs> and what is it about the Rocky Mountains that makes it so difficult? Is this because they're they're tall enough that they just sort of throw a monkey wrench into weather patterns? Yeah, it's. I guess you could say that. That kind of sounds right to me. <laughs> How would you explain Always. it to a layperson <laughs> about why uh, the Rocky Mountains are such a challenge when you're forecasting weather? Yeah, I guess I would say, um, like to say, for example, you go on your roof and you uh, have a ball and then you throw it down. Um, The Rocky Mountains are basically gravity plus wind. And so when that ball goes down, who knows where it's going to go? Because (laughs) that's what the Rocky Mountains do. They just influence every single thing that happens. All right. Um, So... There's always an influence with the Rockies. Well, I have another experience you've taken part in I'd like to ask you about. You participated in NOAA's Cooperative Science Center in Atmospheric Sciences and Meteorology. Could you tell us about what that is and why it was interesting to you? Yeah, so NCAS is something that's at multiple schools. So it's at um, San Jose University. It's at... Howard University, it's at Jackson State. Um, So it goes across about 12 universities. Um, And then this way, uh, students can get their experience within NOAA by taking on internships. So um, I interned at the Hurricane Center 
Um, I worked on a social science project um, dealing with meteorology and social science for um, end users, um, basically high-end users who are marine people, so people who have boats or things Uh like that. Um, So, yeah, that's what I worked on, which I really enjoyed. And getting that experience was pretty awesome, I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. What did it take to apply? What were the prerequisites or the eligibility you had to meet? So within NCAS, um, basically what happens is um, you always have to take a NOAA internship, um, and that's within your first or second year in your degree. Um, So that's what I did. And then basically on the other side, NOAA puts out a call. So they put out a call for um, students, but it's internally. Um, So that's only something that our universities can see. It's not something that everyone can apply Uh to, which is great because you get that real experience. So being a part of the universities that are within this cooperative can be pretty valuable to students. Right, exactly. Because you're getting um, an opportunity that not others can get outside of NCAS because these are internal opportunities. Um, So there's always that... um, you kind of get that challenge of, you know, competing against a lot of people when you apply to opportunities as a student, um, sometimes across the country, right? Um, but this one is easier because you have less competitive spots. That way you could kind of get an opportunity to take that internship. And the fact that you have to do it for graduation really helps too. Right. And one last question for you on this. Do you think that the type of work you take part in on these internships is different than something that might have a larger potential body of applicants? Yeah, I think it was different just because I've been through a few internships and this one was different because I was working with people from NOAA HQ. Um, I was working with people at the Hurricane Center um, and then kind kind of morphing all of them together um, and getting that summer project done. But um, it lasted about three months, which is pretty long. And you also get paid, which is A which big is great. bonus. Oh, wow. Super yeah. big bonus. Whoa, yeah. how could you not tell us that from the beginning? Oh, I know. I'm like, whoo. <laughs> no, yeah. Miami's expensive, guys. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> so, yeah, you get paid. You get housing. Um, and you get food. And then you get paid you don't get paid, um, you know, here and there transportation to say, say a lift um, to your job. But overall, you still get a really good amount of money to survive, <laughs> which is great as a student. Um, so that was awesome. But I could walk to work because um, the Hurricane Center was on FIU's campus. So I just stayed on campus and then walked to work in the heat. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like you've had some some really awesome experiences. And uh, this will lead me to my next question um, because it sounds like you would be the perfect person to provide advice to students. What are some of the do's and don'ts that students should know about for pursuing careers in meteorology? Yeah, I think um, with the do's. So let's start with the do's. I think something that um, students should know is that there's so many different ways to get into meteorology. Like, For example, we talked about my degree is not meteorology, it's environmental science, Um, but I have courses in meteorology and things like that. So 
um, there's always a way to get into meteorology. It doesn't have to be a straight line path. It doesn't have to be uh, undergrad, master's, PhD, meteorologist. It does not have to be that. You can make it your own way. Um, it might be it might be different. You might be going to different places that you've never he- even heard of, <laughs> like Cheyenne, Wyoming. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's an experience. You're always learning something, which is great. Um, so no matter where you end up in, you can find your way and find your path through meteorology, which is why I really like this, um, this field. So I guess some don'ts, right? Yeah, let's hear um, about I got to talk about some don'ts. <laughs> some don'ts would probably be um, kind of doubting yourself. Uh, there's, there's a lot of comparison in this field. It's really easy to compare yourself to others or where they're at in their journey, right? So sometimes you're like, well, why didn't I get this job or why didn't I get this opportunity? Um, but the time comes, right? So it just takes... Sometimes it takes longer for someone else to make that journey, or maybe it's shorter. Um, So that's something that I had to learn, um, watching others grow and going, well, when will I be able to do this or that? Um, And then finally kind of getting my groove, kind of getting my like path and figuring out where I wanted to go. Um, So that just takes time. It just takes time to grow in meteorology. And it's hard to see it because it's hard to compare, but. That's an incredibly valuable Uh, point to end on. So thank you so much for sharing. However, before we uh, truly end the podcast, we always like to get a look at the the person behind the meteorologist and ask a uh, sort of unrelated question just to wind down. So let's uh, exit talking about uh, your all-time favorite movie. I heard you have a good one. Okay. Yes. All right. My all-time favorite movie has to be Terminator. All right. Terminator is yeah. my all-time. Terminator <laughs> is awesome. Yes. <laughs> I really love that movie. And when I first watched it, I was like, why would I watch this old movie? I'm not going to lie. I was like, oh, I don't want to watch this. But then I watched it. I was like, this is great. This is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I don't even want them to redo them. They can't. It's not possible. I hope they don't. Um, (laughs) Seems like for now, they're still just kind of going forward with the franchise and not rebooting it. But I can tell you, you know, so when I watched The Terminator for the first time, I was pretty young. I saw it, you know, on DVD Mm -hmm. or video. But that scene at the end when The Terminator is 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 going after um, Sarah Connor in this like <laughs> yeah. tunnel yeah. and it's crawling and its eyes are red. That was a straight yes. up horror film. I was. I know, right? I, 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 was I terrified. agree. It was scary. It was totally scary. Um, so they really made you feel like it was it was happening. They I suspended my disbelief entirely. It's a great film, and I I bet you might kind of also like it, Aisha, because it kind of shows the difference between what a human can do and what an AI can do. Um, yes. And you've talked about that before. <laughs> I mean, that is like iRobot kind of, you know, those movies where you have like robots take over. Those are the best films. So you're a okay? sci-fi person to a, to a degree? I'm super sci-fi. If you come super <laughs> sci-fi. I love it. Well, uh, hopefully we can uh, have you back sometime or talk some more about uh, sci-fi and uh, whatever will happen next for your career. Yes. So thanks so much for joining us, Aisha, and sharing your work experience with us. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. 
Yeah, it's been fun. I really appreciate the opportunity. And anyone out there hoping to get into meteorology, feel free to let me know or just contact me on Twitter or email me. Yeah, I will make sure when we share the episode uh, to give, give your Twitter handle and ways for folks to reach you. Anyway, thank you again, Aisha. That's our show for today. Everyone else, please join us next time, rain or shine. Clear Skies Ahead, Conversations About Careers in Meteorology and Beyond is a podcast by the American Meteorological Society. Our show is produced by Brandon Kroos and edited by Peter Trepke. Technical direction is provided by Peter Killalay. Our theme music is composed and performed by Steve Savoy and the show is hosted by Rex Horner and Kelly Savoy. You can learn more about the show online at www.ametsoc.org slash clear skies and can contact us at skypodcast at ametsoc.org if you have any feedback or would like to become a future guest. 